Good evening, everyone, and welcome, or Minjika. Uh, my name's Robert Buckingham, and on behalf of the Naomi Milgram Foundation and Arup, um, I'd like to welcome you here this evening to M Pavilion. I um, also would like to acknowledge the Bunurong, the traditional owners of the land on which we meet, and pay our respects to their elders, their land, um, uh, past, present, and into the future. Um, I'd also like to th thank the City of Melbourne, uh, the Victorian State Government through Creative Victoria and ANZ for their support of M Pavilion's free public event program. Tonight's uh, is a special M talk called Cities Alive Towards a Walking City, um, a subject that I think we're all very interested in. Um, and it's presented by our great friends and supporters, Arab. Arab provide, not only provide their, uh, uh, provide their engineering support for this project and, and in many respects help make M Pavilion possible. Arab are an extraordinary company created 70 years ago by the legendary Ove Arup. Um, they, of course, are one of the world's leading engineering companies. But that's what most of us know of Arup, but of course their interests and level of research is far broader than that. Um, they're involved in looking at all aspects of urban planning. Um, Arup recognised early on that a walkable city is a better city and that the more we all walk, the better the city is. Um, this knowledge underpinned the research and re recent publication on walking cities and we're delighted this evening to have Dr Anne Kovacevic, um, who is the author of that report and also from Arup's um, Brisbane office, to speak with us. Anne is Arab's, uh, Arab Australia, Australasia's foresight and innovation leader. And tonight, Anne uh, will talk about the significant social, economic, environmental and political benefits of walking. Um, and how walking, of course, makes cities more livable and more congenial. So, Anne, thank you very much. Uh, thank you so much and thanks um, for having me at such a wonderful venue. Um, I've come down from Brisbane and so um, I'll probably need to grab my um, blanket at some time but um, I'll try not to make too many jokes about your lovely weather <laughs> down here. Now just to give you a little bit of background about me, I am um, Foresight and Innovation Representative at Arab um, and I've been designing sustainable buildings for about 15 years and I see myself as a bit of a, a corporate hippie or um, vegan bike rider as I otherwise explain myself um, and I've always been a really um, strong advocate for active transport, I, I ride, I, I walk wherever I can and interest, interestingly about three years ago I had um, uh, my son and I found that um, just that change really made me a lot more dependent on um, my car and I really started to find that a lot of the time I didn't get as much opportunity to use active transport and that's why when I think we start to talk about um, moving towards a walking world we really need to think about it. it's not just the those of us who are converted or fit and happy and healthy but it's also designing a, wa a walking world that's um, able to be enjoyed by everybody. And um, about um, three months ago, I happened to move to a place where we could actually walk a lot more. So now I walk my son to daycare and then I ride to walk to work. And the change that we've experienced in our lives just from, from that small change, you know, he's so much happier. I certainly arrive at work in a much, much better frame of mind. And I think, you know, um, being able to do that is is. Um, uh, fantastic for my life and I also encourage you to um, try and change your, your patterns in your day to try and embrace walking as much as possible. 
Now, I'm, today I'm presenting uh, Cities Alive, which is a Foresight publication, but I present this on a behalf of a raft of people who have had input into this document. Uh, they include Gale Architects, um, City of Auckland, Ho Hong Kong University, um, a bunch of um, different Arab groups, so um, our de urban designers and planners, but also our digital group and our foresight group, um, as well as many other people who have had input into this document. So um, I I'm going to give you a bit of an overview of the document today, but it's also available for download. It's free. I've got some cards at the front which you can grab. They've got my details. They've got a place where you can um, open the document, download it, um, share it with your friends, comment on it, however you like to use it. So the document exists, uh, consists of 50 drives of change. So um, different elements that are changing our walk walking world. Um, we then look at 50 benefits, so tangible benefits that can be found by improving walkability. Um, then 40 actions, really making being a, uh, actions that we can all implement to improve walkability in our cities. Oops, sorry. And um, uh, 80 case studies. I won't talk about all of them here today. <laughs> Don't worry, we'll be here till midnight. Um, but you can definitely down, uh, download that document and read through it. Um, amazing case studies from all around the world. So it's really important to us um, that we look through at the drivers of change through a number of different lenses. So we use a framework called the STEEP framework. So we look at everything through social lens, uh, technological lens, environmental lens, economic and political lens. Um, and we analyse things by looking at those different, those different areas. Um, the benefits we talk about in this in this document all had to be tangible and measurable and um, that was really important so that we can prove the benefits of, of walking. Uh, the actions had to be things that were achievable and um, finally the case studies were all um, had to showcase all the good aspects of all, from all around the world. So just setting the scene for walkability obviously the 20th century has really been in a, a um, car dominated so we've with uh, the introduction of the automated vehicle meant that we could um, go to we could have sprawling suburbs we had freedom by getting in our cars and and um, we had a showpiece a lot of people uh, use this as a, to demonstrate their um, you know, their stat as a status symbol. But what we're seeing now is that people are definitely moving away from that. And so we can start to uh, really um, change our cities back to what they should be and focus on a walking world. So if you plan your cities for cars and traffic, you get cars and traffic. If you plan your cities for people and places, you end up with peaceful and places. Skip over that one because this um, so we start with the drivers of change. So I truly believe that if you change the street, you can change the world. And that was um, the Commissioner of New York uh, City Department of Transport um, from 2007 to 2013. And so the drivers of change, we start off with the social trends. So there are a number of social trends that we looked at in this document. 
Firstly, car ownership. As we said before, car ownership is actually seen to be decreasing throughout the world in most of our Western cities. And young people these days, um, cars are expensive, they're hard to run, there are a lot of different other transport options available to, be, to people and therefore um, car ownership is decreasing a lot. Um, demographic patterns are big changes. So uh, um, by 2030, we're ex by 2050, we're assuming, that, uh, predicting that around 70% um, of people will live in cities. And so, with movie with such high um, populations in our cities, um, we certainly have challenges, but we also create a lot of opportunities because people can be sharing and um, working working together. Um, digital lifestyles. We all know that. We spend a lot of time you know, with an iPhone or a, a smartphone in front of us, and that um, gives us a lot of opportunities for different ways that we can walk around the city. I certainly found it really easy to get here because I checked Google Maps and knew where M Pavilion was, and I got down in here in 17 minutes, and that all worked out really well. But so, although technology may be, um, you know, changing the way we live, we can definitely use that to improve our social health and well-being. Um, people are also very interested in sustainable behaviours and it, um, millennials are actually one of the number one uh, number one demographics for um, having very wanting to have very sustainable behaviours. Uh, urban stress is also something that we always look at. Um, you know, being in an urban environment is very stressful and um, improving how much we can walk around really can reduce that stress. There are a number of technological trends. We've all heard a lot about autonomous vehicles, um, probably around 10 years off before that we really start to see a lot of autonomous vehicles, but the massive change that autonomous vehicles can bring to our cities and walkability in our cities um, will be quite quite amazing. Um, you can have an auto automated vehicle that will really allow pedestrians to take over the street again and just be programmed to, um, to make sure the pedestrians have right of way. Um, and there's also availability of sensors. So we know that uh, um, we're pretty much kitting out our cities with a number of, of sensors these days. And they say about 0.5% uh, of the total data that's available today is actually analysed and used. So if you could think about how much more um, data we're now collecting with increasing in uh, with upping the number of sensors in in our roads and in our cities. If we can actually start to use that, that um, information that we're collecting to drive change in our cities, to understand people's health and well-being, and um, and really understand how uh, walkability is in improving our lives, we can really uh, start to um, make good uh, arguments for why we should be um, moving towards a walking world. There are a number of economic trends that we looked at. So um, things like congestion costs. I know in Melbourne you've talked about congestion costs recently and um, throughout the world um, there are a number of places which do have congestion costs, which is one way to um, reduce the traffic flow in, in, in cities. There's certainly lots of other, other ways you can do it. Um, the digital economy obviously allows um, people to, um, to share and use car sharing or different um, uh, modes of transport and understand how they can move between those modes of transport and then um, possibly work out how they can be walking um, more in, um, when they're going for on their journey. 
Um, the recession was one of the things that really drove down car ownership. So people became less um, able to afford it afford a car and, um, and it's not only affording a, a car but it's affording the um, ongoing costs uh, cost of operating that car and people started to realize that you know um, moving away from from car ownership and using other um, other means of transport was um, positive for their livability um, tourism is another great uh, driver for change. We all know that when we go to a, a city, most of the time when we first get there, we do a lot of walking around. And so the more walkable we can make our cities, the better that they're um, generally perceived in, um, in the public eye. Environmental trends, obviously walking has got to be the most sustainable type of um, transport. Um, it's a um, great way to um, car dependency really um, uh, puts a lot of pressure on air pollution creates a lot of air pollution um, uh, increases climate change um, uh, green infrastructure is something a way that we can reduce the heat island effect um, by creating a lot more green spaces to walk through and finally, the political trends. So city competitiveness is one of the things that we look at when we think about um, political trends. And um, as we said before, with tourism, on a, a global scale, when you have a great um, walkable uh, city, it's really seen as very competitive globally. Um, there's also, what's another good one? Um, policy integration, so um, by uh, thinking of lots of ways that we can um, it, um, increase the walkability of our spaces, we can integrate that into policy and um, develop more, more work, walkable worlds. And so now we come to the benefits. We've sort of thought about all these drivers that um, uh, are changing, um, are, are affecting our walking world, but what are the actual benefits that we, that we know? Now, a lot of these um, will seem like quite common sense, but I think the beauty of this document is that it really starts to um, make sure that all these benefits are measurable and tangible um, and really gives an, a, a very a good overview of all the ones that are, um, are around. So Jeff Speck from Walkable City said, uh, great walkability, get water walkability right, and so much of the rest will follow. So the benefits that we looked at, we just looked at in four different categories and they came out to be um, social, economic, um, environmental and political. And so first we look at the, um, the social um, benefits and we all know that health and well-being is greatly improved by, by more walking and active transport. And um, I, I think that's really starting to um, be recognised as something really, really important. And we're also able to measure it now. In fact, even this week, I've been reading, I've read a number of articles about CEO bonuses, which will be related to the health and well-being of their employees. So um, people really need to start um, analysing, understanding their health benefits um, and um, working out how they can increase those. Uh, safety is really key, so um, we, we know when we walk around and there's a nice um, number of people, you feel a lot more safe, you, you look people eye to eye and you get that interaction and um, that makes us feel more part of the community and uh, um, creates safer places. Uh, placemaking, um, 
a lot of the things we talk about in this document is about um, making places that people will want to walk through. So. Um, when you're um, walking, you're going at a different pace than if you're um, on, on using other forms of transport. So you really can um, be somewhere and appreciate it for what it is and get it, um, have a strong connection to the to the place. Um, social cohesion and, um, and equality. So walking is one of the great levelers. Um, it's it's one of the ways that we really connect with people on on a, a, a much more personal level. So this is an example of social, uh, social benefit. Um, it's promoting active lifestyle, addressing obesity crisis in the US. And um, this is an example of, um, it's the Saturday summer streets. And that, um, in the US, uh, they have an annual event where they close off this street and they put a massive water slide through it. <laughs> and so uh, just a bit of a different idea, but I'm sure we'd all love a big summer water slide through through one of the cities um, to to take away um, the, what would otherwise be a quite, quite a car dependent um, space. So the economic benefits, uh, firstly to the local economy, um, when you have a lot of footfall um, around um, retail spaces and. Um, other areas you get a lot more connectivity um, people are more interested in in purchasing um, and seeing what's there and there's also a lot of cultural benefits that you can get um, from people walking past um, the city attractiveness obviously cities are much more beautiful when they're not really car dominated and it gives the opportunities to um, in, um, have things such as local art or green spaces um, that it can take over that car dependence Urban regeneration, there's a lot of urban regeneration driven by um, moving towards a more walkable world. Obviously in Melbourne you've had like um, the laneways which have really been rejuvenated and, and um, created an amazing space in, um, for, for Melbourne. And um, cost saving, it's actually cheaper to <laughs> develop places for walking than it is um, for, for car dependence, so great for the economy. Uh, this is an example in um, Fountain Square in Indianapolis where you can just see that by having this um, foot traffic um, past, um, this is actually a cultural centre, a cultural district, um, you're getting much more connection of the people with, um, with the actual space. And the environmental benefits that we look at are firstly um, virtuous circles, so getting away from fossil fuel dependent um, uh, uh, um, systems and moving towards a more circular economy. Um, ecosystem services, um, so using um, different um, different types of the ecosystem and, and developing places that um, create more biodiversity. Livability, um, when we're walking, we're, as we said before, much with the social, we're interacting, but we're creating places that are much more livable and transport efficiency. It's much easier um, to coordinate um, people than it is to um, coordinate lots of um, different forms of um, mass transport. So this is an ex example of virtuous circles where um, it's decreasing the dependency on fossil fuels. And this example in London where they actually have paved gen, which is a um, energy converting concrete, and, um, uh, uh, oh, sorry, energy converting pavement. And you actually walk on this and it creates energy which powers the lights and systems are around. It's obviously you're probably not going to 
power a whole building using this, but it's another way of really getting people to connect and understand um, uh, how their walking affects the local area. So political benefits include leadership. Um, you know, by taking um, a really strong position on leadership to do with walkability, a lot of um, uh, political people have done really, really well. Um, people who have taken a strong stance often um, create uh, such an improvement in their cities that um, we've seen uh, mayors that have um, changed um, areas to be highly walkable, to continually be re-elected re um, and um, have uh, make their city a very competitive place. Uh, urban governance. So by creating a connection with people, walk, um, a connection between people and spaces, they start to get a lot more understanding of the space and they're much more interested in what happens to that space and they're therefore much more likely to have their say and um, create spaces, uh, create the um, spaces as they, um, as where they live. Uh, sustainable development, we mentioned before, um, and, and obviously one of the um, walkability is, is great for sustainable development. And finally, planning opportunities. So by reclaiming some of these small spaces, um, it, walking has much different um, scales than, uh, than cars and, and um, large roads. And so you can um, really enjoy and, and create some of those smaller spaces um, in a lot of different ways than when you're um, designing for, for cars. So this is an example of um, political leadership and this is um, Milan and actually in this, this space they had a six months trial to see um, if it would work out without cars and 80% 80 80 of the people decided after that time that they wanted to keep it car free. And so um, we've seen a lot of great examples of cities that have um, uh, created a lot of spaces that are car free or um, uh, certain areas within their cities that are car free and they're generally really, really well re received. So envisioning walkable cities, I would love, I would have people walk when they're depressed, walk when they're overwhelmed with problems, when they're anxious, when they're sad, and I would have them walk when they're happy so they can infect the world with their, their precious mood. So we all know that when we're stressed out or we need to just take, take our mind off things, that the best thing to do is go for a walk. So we really have to start um, getting that mindset throughout our cities. So whenever um, um, people are walking more, they're improving their livability and they're improving their mood and we're creating a better world. So these are some of the people that um, contributed to the document um, and I won't go into details about what they've said but um, uh, we have um, and Dan Sims, the creative director at Girl Architects and he talks in the publication about the walkable future of public space. Uh, uh, Dan Hill from Arup, he talks about um, the fact that a smart city is actually one where we're walking. So we spend a lot of the time the, uh, talking about smart city th these days, but one of the key things about getting that personal level, uh, the personal side of things correct. Um, we have also from Arup, um, walkability is an undervalued resource. 
and um, from University of Hong Kong a ho um, presents a holistic way, um, a, a, a holistic approach to walkability. And finally, um, from the Mayor of Auckland, revisioning re <laughs> distances because um, she talks about how if we create um, it's shopping centres that are miles apart and um, you have to drive between them, we're really pushing that car dependence rather than creating a city that we want to live and walk in. So finally, we have some actions come out of this. And I think um, as a, a, a foresight person, I often pre do uh, a presentation. And I hope that um, people will have seen things that amaze them and they say, oh, she really knows what's, what's going to happen in the future. And I think today, probably this presentation is a little bit different because a lot of this is really common sense. And it's really things that we know and we understand because we, we all walk around cities and, and, and we know the difference between when we're driving and when we're, we're walking. But I think the really positive outcome of, of this report is that it cr gives you action. So whether you're a designer, these are things that you can actually go in and when you're designing a city, implement these actions. Or if you're a pedestrian um, in, in a city and you want to improve um, uh, livability in your city, that gives you actions that you can advocate for to your political leaders. So essentially walkability is allowing people to do what the human body was designed to do, to do in the first place, um, to go places without having to get into some mechanical instrument. <laughs> so, yeah. So, so. Uh, so the actions are divided into a few different categories, um, vision and strategy, uh, safe and efficient transport, um, transportation systems, sorry, uh, livable, livable environments, uh, sense of place in communities and smart and re responsive communities. And um, we've got a um, diagram that was developed and, and you, you can look that really depicts all of those different um, elements. Now, I hope you can all read this. No. <laughs> um, this is, is, again, you can have a look at it in the document, but it just really gives the flow of how all these things, different uh, ideas that, we've been, that I've been talking about, how they all flow together. So some of the actions that we've um, have come up with from um, vision and strategy including, include car-free initiatives. So I... Um, in my job, I run a lot of workshops and I would say probably on average about one a week and whenever I run a city's workshop, one of the key actions that comes out of it is says, let's make our city car free. Um, so really we need to make sure that we're advocating to have cars, a lot of car uh, free spaces within our cities and get rid of that car dependence. Um, zero um, Vision zero policies, this is a... Um, a, a movement that's been around for um, since the, the 90s, I think, and it's a global movement that really says that no one on our roads should be killed by a car, and um, works towards um, that um, that is an incentive. Um, pedestrian and health campaigns. I think we all understand um, how much we can improve our health through um, the um, pedestrian movement, and so we really need to start um, measuring that. Um, understanding what that health benefit is and um, and using that to uh, um, drive towards uh, a more work walkable world. Uh, local champions. So this is where we think about um, local celebrities. You probably use some of your footballers or 
someone down here um, to really get behind the walking movement and um, and start pushing for more walkable cities. Um, Pop-up and temporary initiatives. So we said before, when we're going at a different pace, we really have time to stop and appreciate things. So this gives us great opportunities for things like public art or creating some green spaces um, within the city that we can really enjoy as we're walking around. Um, economic incentives. Because we know how how much the improvement of health from walkability um, it improves our overall livability, we can start to use things like um, financial incentives to, to encourage people to walk more. We can take information from a Fitbit or anything and um, create that into a local currency, which you can then spend somewhere. And there are quite a, a number of initiatives around the world who have done similar things. There's one called Free Wheeler in, um, in Perth, which um, gives you credits for when you're using active transport. Um, Virtuous circles, so we talked about the example with uh, with PaveGen before, uh, and um, density and, and mixed functions. So if we look at the different densities in our, uh, in our um, cities, we can start to change the densities so that um, we make the, uh, the dent, sorry, change the densities so that we make the um, distances that we need to travel, um, the distances that um, are much more, um, adept to um, to walking or cycling active transport. So safe and efficient um, transportation systems was the next um, category that um, we looked at. So um, walk, walkable connect connectivity. So in our cities that have a lot of levels now, we need to have um, a, a connectivity at multiple levels. So it's not just on ground, ground level, it's when we yeah, have um, different um, different buildings, we have connections between those buildings at different levels, or if we have um, overpasses or hills that we need, to, we still need to make the journey when we're walking quite easy and, and well connected. Um, we need to have pedestrian streets. There's, um, you know, there's no reason why, as a pedestrian, you shouldn't have right of way over a car. And particularly when we're crossing roads, um, we need to make it so it's easy for people to cross. You shouldn't have to wait twice every time you 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 want to cross a road. Um, it, a lot of X cross um, the X crossings give people a, a lot of a quicker way to to get the, um, to where they're going. Um, integrating with public transport, so we've all got our mobile phones and um, there's technologies that can really make sure we have an integrated journey and give you information about how you connect with different um, modes of transport and also if you have time, maybe it'll give you advice on doing some more walking or go taking a scenic route um, and um, really changing your overall day um, around that. Uh, the road diet is about um, opportunities for decreasing the width of our roads and, and reclaiming some of those as pedestrian um, uh, areas. Uh, safe crosswalks and intersections we mentioned before. Um, traffic calming measures, so having things like speed bumps and, and um, to slow down the traffic um, and lots of signage to make sure um, pedestrians feel like they can, they can claim the areas and walk safely and improve signage. We all know that, you know, walking is a lot slower than um, 
than um, taking your car. So you really need a lot of information. So you're going the right, you know, you're going the right direction. Um, you don't walk down a side street and end up in in, in a dead end, and then you have to uh, cycle back. So um, really having a lot better signage. The livable environment, so infrastructure reuse. Um, we've seen a lot of examples around in the world where um, infrastructure has been repurposed to be more pedestrian friendly. Innovative public spaces, um, similar to what I was saying before with the um, public art and um, lots of different ways to connect with people. Street design furniture, so there's a lot of um, furniture now that um, might be interactive or um, can be changed um, throughout the, the time that it, um, in, in quite um, quick succession to keep places lively and new and interesting um, and fun to be in. Um, there are lots of examples of parklets and pocket parks where people have either made um, parking spaces into parks or um, just um, disused corners um, in, into parks so it's just a nicer environment to walk in. Um, greenways and blue, blue ways so if we have um, if we have rivers or um, uh, parks that we can walk through, then we have information uh, uh, about uh, where we, uh, where's a good place to walk and lots of uh, and be able to utilise those in our in our walking schedule. Um, microclimate measures, so how we um, uh, create different microclimates. Um, in certainly in Brisbane, we need a lot of shade, shelter, um, uh, and. Uh, we also um, look to have fans, you know, to keep to keep people cool. In other places, it might be um, more about uh, cover for the rain or um, for storms. But really, making sure that the weather doesn't stop um, stop us being um, able to walk somewhere. And um, active facades, also having our buildings with active facades, so that um, they're more interesting. Um, creating a sense of place, so having open streets, I've talked about public art, do-it-yourself opportunities, so it doesn't always have to be something that um, is is done by the city or, um, a, you know, an, a creative arts place. It might also be um, a, um, something that you just open up to the public to be able to create their own spaces. Um, heritage promotion, um, making sure that we're looking at our culture uh, celebrating our cultural heritage in cities. Um, improved urban nightscape. So we ha also have a Cities Alive document that talks about um, the 24-hour um, city and um, thinking about how we change the feel of the city at night using lighting or um, and different and installations that um, really make us feel uh, like we're in a different place and, and gives a new sense of, of the city. Uh, the smart and responsive city is where we start to look at more te technology-focused ideas. Um, things like uh, interactive environments using digital or um, new modes of exploration of the city. So maybe having um, uh, apps on your phone that tell you about um, walking around your city. And one of the other ones in, in this is um, gamification. Um, also... Um, Mapping safety, so making people feel feel more safe by um, and, uh, making sure people um, are given safe routes that, that they can walk on. Um, and digital evaluation tools, we can get people to um, fill out a, um, a, a digital survey to see what they're, they're liking about cities and get responses about um, walkability that way.
So I'm going to wrap up with a few case studies. Um, I've got one case study for each of the different themes. Um, there are 80 in, in the document. So you can see that they're from all around the world. We've got a few from Melbourne. I don't, I'm not going to talk about Melbourne ones now, but they're, they're in there. Um, so the first one is a, an, another car-free initiative. So I've talked about a few of these today. But this is a city um, in Ponte Verde in, in Spain where they actually made 90% of the, the city car-free. Um, this is a um, walkable connectivity, um, looking at safe and, and efficient transport systems. And this is actually in, um, in Dallas, Texas, where they diverted part of the freeway and connected to um, uh, two areas that were otherwise um, disconnected and really created a sense of community by connecting those. Livable environments, you've probably all heard about the High Line in, uh, in New York. It's a really great example where they repurposed a disused railway line and all the way along this has just become a, a, a fabulous place to visit and um, has really changed um, the city. Uh, the sen a sense of place and communities, um, this is open open street event and this example is from Singapore where um, they had um, a, a number of areas that um, were, weren't so well used and so they put it out to the public for them to run their own um, events and decide what happened in those spaces and um, really um, alive in, uh, regenerated um, those, those areas. And smart and responsive, this is a, um, a playful interactive environment. Uh, it's in in Rotterdam in the, in the Netherlands and it's actually a, um, a lighting structure that's interactive and it's um, they have all these um, these lights and it actually grows over time so it, it adapts and changes uh, uh, along with the city and it's been really popular. So that's the end of my talk today. How am I? Right. Yeah, we've still got quite a bit of time so I can um, take some questions if you'd like. And I suppose that just to, to wrap up, I'd just really like to encourage you to look at the um, look through the document, um, download and have a read, um, but also just really think about where you, where you can be walking more, where you can be um, uh, encouraging people to create more walkable environments and um, help us work towards a, a more work, walk, walkable world. Hi, um, I've got a question, but also we missed the start, and I'd love to know the name of the document. I couldn't have finished. Okay, the, um, the document's called um, Cities Alive Towards a Walk Walking World. I've got some postcards oh, here which have the information of, uh, about where to download it and um, and got all the details and um, it's free and share with share and read yep. and comment. Um, my question's around sort of the implementation and on a day-to-day -day level, if you've got any sort of tips when you're sort of, we work as urban designers and we're often faced with sort of agencies and engineers and when you're trying to put streets on a diet because you sort of know it's a great outcome, you're just sort of faced with a lot of people who are trying to future-proof and, and add and add and add and mm -hmm. it sort of seems like an uphill battle sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think um, 
hopefully the document will help in some ways because it um, it outlines a number of benefits, um, which you know are all tangible benefits that are measurable and accountable, and so you can. Uh, you can start to say, you know, here, here are measurable benefits and here are key actions that, you know, that, that we can look at. Um, but also I, th I think it's about us all encouraging um, the, a better understanding of health and wellbeing and also starting to move from um, an economy where we sort of just look at GDP or whatever, but really starting to um, uh, look at overall livability and placemaking and, and, and start to evaluate things through that. And I think some of the technological tools that are available um, will start to be able to um, measure that and feedback more. So, I mean, we're working on an app at the moment where people can rate their place um, and um, then you could then you have something where you can say, oh, you know, like this is the place that that everyone's saying is is a wonderful place to be, um, um, and you actually have documentation that goes with that. So I think that was, yeah, yeah. But yeah, uphill battle. <laughs> I'm a sustainability engineer, so. <laughs> And thank you very much for that. I, I suppose I was just going to ask um, the relationship between um, other modes of transport, I mean bikes and public transport, is that something which you looked at and I suppose rating, I suppose rating walking compared to cycling? Um, this this one does focus on walking and I, um, this, this um, piece of documentation and I mean Generally, we talk about active transport as opposed to, you know, mechanical transport or, or um, and we encourage that. But I think the nice thing about this document is you do get a, a slightly different feel when it is walking and it's such a levelling, um, you know, you don't need to have a bike or need to be someone who can necessarily ride a bike or something. So it, there is a slight um, different um, spin to it when you're just focusing on walking um, but yeah we, we definitely try and look at lots of diff every different mode of transport and also how we integrate them so you, you know like you might use public transport for part of your journey but if you can then do more walking after that then you know that as well so yes we do but this document <laughs> doesn't so much yeah Thank you very much for a fantastic presentation. I've had an opportunity to have a quick look at least in the report and I think it's a, a really worthwhile document and a great achievement. Okay. Um, I'm interested though in the continuing implementation of the ideas. The case studies that it, you've got in it are very convincing and one would hope that people would take them up and it would be self-generating but I suspect the reality is that it won't is there any mechanism in place to encourage and ensure that these ideas are actually implemented? There, um, there's nothing specifically in place at the moment, but there are a number of programs that we're sort of running to um, in, in line with the document. So the document's a, um, a global document and it's been, you know, um, used differently in each of the places. But I think the conversation that goes ar around it, so a lot of the comments that come in through the website or how we talk about it, um, we can start to um, see how that 
how they're going and how they're shaping things. And I think with a lot of our, our foresight documents, you know, they are at, at time and you collate stuff and that's relevant to um, to that time. But um, we do also try to use different um different forms of, of material to keep that ongoing. So, I mean, we have a database where we have, um, so a lot of the case studies came from, um, we have something called the Inspire database, which is a collection of case studies for a whole raft of things around the world. And we have different people in all cities across the world that um, feed into that, um, to that database. So this was one of the things that came out of that. And people will be continually asked to provide more case studies that will go into that database um, that that showcase um, walkability, and we can then you know dip into that and and um, use that to see you know further um, more case studies and, and how it's all um, shaping up, I guess. <laughs> and yeah, we you know we have a number of programs where we're trying to think about how we can use this, implement it, and move it forward. Mm. I was just kind of um, wanting your point of view on an issue, I guess. Um, so I guess with population growth and sea level rise means that we lose um, more space and people are moving into cities. So buildings will get higher, um, which like will encourage walkability because people need to live in the city. You can't live on the coast anymore, really. I'm just kind of wondering your point of view on that and kind of where you sit. Um, I guess... You know, um, obviously trying to reduce climate change as much as possible, but also, you know, I think um, we do move into cities and um, there's still a lot of opportunity for for keeping, you know, a, a very active lifestyles within, within that um, dense area. And I, I guess it's just um, looking for different opportunities and, um, and how you... You shape the city around that um, densification because I think you can you can still there's a lot of opportunity for creating great communities within cities even though they can be quite dense you can still create a community that's of a size where you can um, know all all your local neighbours or anything so um, it's really about for me it's about creating those micro communities within a, a larger city so that people don't feel isolated and they don't feel um, uh, disconnected, I guess. So. Oh, thank you. This is not so much a question as trying to just generate a bit of conversation, but um, I'm not sure whether you're aware of Fisherman's Bend. It's an urban renewal project in Melbourne and it's the largest urban renewal project in Australia, if not the world. Mm -hmm. And, you know, currently planning's underway for that precinct and the aspiration in that document is for 80% of all trips to be made by active transport, which is a really fantastic yeah. ambition. Mm -hmm. But I suppose I, for one, you know, I deeply share the ambition, but I feel just nervous that you know there's going to be a lot of um, 
difficulty in the implementation. So I'm just appealing to the people who are here just to be aware that that is an aspiration for Fisherman's Bend and if there are opportunities to be involved in discussion or your opinion is sought, if you're walking friendly to get behind it. Wonderful. I mean, I think that's a great aspiration. I think, um, you know, we, sh we should all sit, see as much, move towards um, that kind of ambition as much as we can. Did anyone else want to respond to that comment or? No? 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 I suppose something that interested me in what you said was that, um, you know, walking has delivered these political benefits to people. But just I'm wondering, these colleagues here on the right, that here often when interventions are made in favour of walkers, you know, it's not politically popular at all. It's just generally very, very difficult. And just speaking about um, in the city of Port Phillip, an inner city municipality where they attempted to create a car-free street, you know, like it was World War Three, yeah. you know, rather than people <laughs> seeing it. But I think that now mm. the benefits are beginning to be seen. So I'm just interested in if you could say any more about, you know, how that all worked in this politically beneficial way you described. Yeah, I, th I mean, I think a lot of the times it's um, started off as a trial and um, maybe people don't feel like, um, you know, when it's a trial that it's, it's so permanent and, and then once people start to experience it and um, get, get used to how, you know, that they can deal with that area not being able to be car friendly um, and get used to um, different forms of transport in, the, in their um, in their daily commute, then they might start to accept it a little bit more. And I think a lot of the um, examples that we see around the world have started as trials or are done, but um, you know, one day a week, one day a year, or something as, as something as a demonstration, and then just start to get people used to it. Um, and you know, I, I think still there's um, an age demographic that is more car dependent and I think um, certainly when we do a lot of workshops with uh, younger people they, they're sort of like oh why would I ever want a car you know that just sounds awful and and um, we really see that split as well so I think there's a different um, you know people who are used to maybe car sharing and um, using um, a, a digital um, a, a digital um, a, a equipment to work out how they're going to do their journey that then um, we see people that are, are slightly less car dependent and I think that's a movement that will come will come through and also as we make um, our cities more walk walkable friendly they'll see people see spaces that are more walkable and then and then appreciate them for what they are hopefully <laughs> Thank you for your presentation. Um, there is a sort of interesting relationship between um, density and mobility. And uh, I think, and I mean, walkability is a, mm. sp uh, specifically, uh, and your presentation and case studies really benefit from the fact that 
you know, amenity um, has a contribution to walkability and vice versa, that you, that the reason why people walk is because there is uh, availability of things around them. Yeah. And uh, when you think about walkability, there is there's probably a scale to it. And I'm curious about what your thoughts are when we map this onto, um, say, a city like Melbourne, not the city of Melbourne, but metropolitan Melbourne, mm. where, you know, it, it's a sprawling city. There's very, very low density. And um, how does how does walkability, does it work as a series of nodal things? Or is it something that's like a connective tissue? Or how does how do you imagine that? Yeah, I mean, I, th I think it's, it's both in that, um, you know, you want to have your local um, neighbourhood where you can access a lot of the things that you want to do in, in a day um, within a walking distance. So if I want to go to the shops or um, maybe I have a, a hub where I can go to work some days a week and then other times there's different modes of transport um, that I you know can do do a larger distance um so to me it's yeah like you say um hubs but also having um a connectivity to um a city where um with you know good public transport into that to that place you know for the time that you need to go there um but really having a lot more flexibility around the times that we need to go places and um the um where, where we work um uh, much more mobile and um much more flexible my comment was going to be almost exactly the same as yours um so it was more about i, I found it interesting when you said after you had a child you dramatically reduced the amount of walking that you were doing and i think there's something that comes with the amount of stuff that you need when you have a kid yeah. and where you need to go to buy the stuff be it the pram the car seat whatever that is invariably somewhere in terribly inconvenient that you can only access by a car that i know completely changed the way that i lived my life for a short period of time um so there's so much i think about urban design and accessibility and good public transport connectivity to like major shopping centres where you buy big things and being able to get them home again yeah. that you know, allows walkability and active transport to be possible. Yeah, def I definitely agree. And, uh, you know, we uh, get so dependent on cars because they're there and, you know, it, um, certainly when I had my son, it was, um, it, you know, much easier to get him into the car than try and work out um, another mode of transport. But it shouldn't be that way. You know, these are all fairly normal things that people do <laughs> having children. Um, and so, you know, why should that be any different? And I, it just really made me reflect on, you know, that's um, because I have a pram or whatever, but, you know, there are other people who, who you know, might not find it as easy to walk somewhere. They should also um, have the same uh, level of walkability as, as the, um, other people who don't. So, um, yeah, it's just really thinking about um, when we design things, having a really holistic view about um, who can um, access those, those routes and how we design cities on a scale where, you, you know, you can get what you need within a, a decent distance. Excellent. Oh, well, um, thank you very much for having me and um, keep walking. <laughs>